Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. That shall he also reap. And, and it just made me think because, uh, you know, we've got some individuals here in the church that are uh, house shopping. Isn't it fun to be in a position to house shop? <laughs> well, it can be. <laughs> I know it can also be stressful. But, uh, and I, I've shared this with you before, but you know, uh, we've been in the position in times past where we have been blessed with a house. Uh, there was an individual, and I, again, I think I've shared the story, so forgive me for uh, repeating myself, but it goes to show just where you can put your faith on things. Uh, there was an individual that went to the same Bible college that I did, and they were out in Utah or somewhere way out there, but they were, he was an executive for uh, Farwell Bankers. Is that right? Does that sound right? Farwell, is that right? I don't know. But it was a bank out there, and he looked in the area and found a Rhema pastor or a guy that went to Rhema, and uh, that's the Bible college. And he said, hey, we have a foreclosed house, and we're just looking to donate it to somebody. And so I looked you up, and I'd rather give it to a Christian guy than, you know, somebody than just let it go back to the bank or that they just auction it. But would you want a house? And I said, well, let me check it out. So I checked it out, and it wasn't bad. And I said, well, sure. So they gave us the house. Well, my intent was not to hang on to the house. My intent was to turn around and give the house to somebody. But think about that. God, the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower to bring increase to your life. You see, your paycheck is really seed. And if you eat your seed to the full, you have nothing to sow and you have no harvest. But the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. So we were given a house. And right from the get-go, I knew that I wanted it to be seed. And so we talked to a few different, different, different individuals and it didn't work out for this one or that one. And so I found a gentleman. I said, hey, could I bless you with a house? And this is a fellow that we have known for a number of years and he said, well, let me look at it. So I said, yeah, I can do something with that. And so I was just able to sign over the deed to him. In fact, when we went down to the, the courthouse or whatever it was, the, the office down there, he didn't have the money to make some switches, and so I just paid for the switches for the water and whatever else, just blessed him. So here he has this house that he didn't have to pay for. It was just given. But it was seed for me. And so I'm telling you, there's been time and time again where I've said, God, Concerning your house, we've sown seed in the form of a house. And so I'm believing for a harvest of houses because he multiplies the seed. So, God, we just believe for this house, Genesee Valley Church, that it's always going to go over, always have enough because, God, you made us or gave us the ability to have seed. When it comes to our own personal life, God, you're going to always increase us and take us to the next level and that might be over a season of time. It might not be tomorrow. But God, I'm believing for increase because we planted some seed. We gave a house. 
And you said, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So what did I sow? A house. That shall I reap. Well, we already saw that in this church because it was just basically given to us, right? Handed to us in one sense of, of, of the word. So praise God. That was all free. That wasn't my message, but it blessed me just telling you the story of those things. So praise God. Amen. Do you believe God can increase you? Well, it's based according to your faith. Man gets nothing more, nothing less than what he believes for. So praise the Lord. What do you believe for? Amen. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, turn it over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we'll get right into this tonight. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. And if you recall, we said that these Wednesday nights are a little bit different than our Sunday morning services. Our Sunday morning services are really used to reach people, to create a service that is enjoyable for old and young and everything in between. But our Wednesday nights are an opportunity for us to purpose to go a little bit deeper and just stir up the hunger of God on the inside of us. You realize hunger is cultivated. Spiritual hunger or desire for God is cultivated. It's not just something that just drops on you. You have to cultivate it. So you're here tonight purposing to cultivate it when so many others could be here as well. So praise God that you made that choice. First John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So he says, you are of God, little children. So he's speaking to Christians, those that have made Christ the Lord of their life. He said, you are God's children. And then he says, and have overcome. Now we said that in our Wednesday services, we said we're going to be ministering on the subject of healing. We're going to be ministering on subjects of in him or who we are in Christ. And then we're also going to spend some time praying. So really tonight, this kind of cultivates a lot of those things that we're purposing to do multiple weeks, but all in one. But he says, you have overcome them. Did you notice it didn't say that you are overcoming or that you will? He said, you overcame them. So in the mind of God, and in the truest form of reality, God says, if you're a Christian, a child of God, you have already overcome, therefore you're an overcomer, right? Now, I realize there's situations in our life that you would say, I don't feel like I'm overcoming. Well, I didn't say that the natural side of life may not look a certain way, but that's not true reality. You realize that, right? The Bible says uh, uh, that this life is temporal, and everything in this temporal life is going to be gone at some point in time. There's only one thing that's eternal, and that's the spirit man and the spirit realm, if you will. There's a day that we're going to step over into eternity. And so in the truest form of reality, God says that you are an overcomer, and you overcame him. Who's the him that he's talking about? He says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Well, who's in the world that he's talking about? He's talking about the enemy, or he's talking about the devil. The devil's the one that's trying to make you poor. He, the devil's the one that's trying to make you depressed. The devil's the one that's trying to make you sick. And the Bible says that you, through Christ, have already overcame him. Now, why have you overcame him? Because as a child of God, the greater one is in you. 
not just the one that is equal to, not the one that is subpar, but the one that is greater, greater than the evil one, greater than the enemy. You see, death couldn't hold them, sickness couldn't hold them, the grave couldn't hold them. The Bible says that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave and overcame. And because he overcame, we overcame. Right? But again, if we notice this, it's all contingent upon us knowing about the greater one on the inside of us. Because he's in you. But if you don't know that he's greater, you can live this entire Christian life being beat up one side down the other. And the devil just have a heyday in your mind, have a heyday in your marriage, have a heyday in your finances, in your health, whatever else. But it's contingent upon you knowing that there's a greater one on the inside of you. My, my oldest daughter, she uh, goes to school an hour earlier than the other two. And every day as I'm driving her to school, we get to a certain point in our journey. It's right at a cross mark uh, on the, in the roads. And when we get to that place, from there to the rest of the way, we just start making confessions of who we are. This morning as we were going, I said, okay, let's do it. You ready? She says, I'm ready. I said, okay, the greater one's in me. She said, the greater one's in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I've been, I've been washed by the blood. The blood's been applied. Therefore, I cannot be denied. I've passed the test, so I'll enter into rest, and I get God's best. I'm a leader, not a follower. People follow me because of who's in me. And we make these confessions as to who she is all the way to school. What are we trying to develop in her? What am I trying to help instill in her? An awareness of the greater one that's in her. Because you realize that there's all kinds of things in this world that will try to beat you down to help you understand that you're not greater than. You're not an overcomer. In fact, everything in this life is overcoming you. Right? But we're, there, there's, a, there's an awareness of the greater one in me. In fact, say that with me. Say, the greater one, the greater one is in me. And therefore, he makes me greater because he's in me. I'm a child of God. The greater one, the greater one is in me. Come on, man. If you could just meditate on that alone, the greater one. <laughs> no, man, I'm telling you, he's the greater one. He, he's great and he's greater than and he's in me. I mean, it just begins to stir on the inside of you. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, again, we're going to spend some time here in the New Testament, just really in some centrally located areas. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages or, or uh, from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Well, he's talking about the ones that are little children that have made Christ the Lord of their life. So now he's speaking to you as well. Revealed to his saints. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is, now here's the mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach 
warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Now notice what he said there. He said, this is the mystery that has been revealed. Then later down he says, we are purposing to preach, we're purposing to teach every man it didn't just say a select individuals, didn't just say just preachers, didn't just say apostles and prophets. It said every man we're purposing to teach and preach this mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And notice what it says here. As we preach and teach that we may present every man perfect, or that word perfect means to be matured. Matured in Christ Jesus. So that tells me that my maturing or growing spiritually is helping me begin to identify who the greater one is in, or that, that's in me. As I said, you could have the greater one in you and never really know how great he was. You know that you're going to heaven. You know that he was so great to forgive you of your sins. But Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so, therefore, there must be more about this if there's a mystery about it. And they're purposing to teach it and teach it and teach it so that we would mature in it. Well, what does that mean? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So the greater one, the anointed one, and his anointing is in me. So the anointing is the stuff that caused Jesus to do everything that he did on the earth. The anointing is the stuff that raised him from the dead. So not only is Jesus in you, but his stuff is in you. Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing is in you. And it says that this Christ in me that brought his stuff, his power, his anointing, it says that it's in me, or that word in you is also defined as fixed. Christ in you or fixed. What does that mean? It means that if he's in you, it's locked in, baby. Locked and loaded. You may not know that it's in there. You may not know that you have atomic power on the inside of you. You may not know that you've got just TNT waiting to go off on you because it's in there. But the Bible says it's fixed. It's there. As long as I'm a Christian, it's there. In fact, for that matter, it's a whole lot harder to walk away from God than one would think. If you're a child of God, it's in there. You may say, man, I have just blown it. I've walked away from God. If you still confess Jesus as Lord, the stuff is still in there. It may have lied, it have laid dormant, and you never knew it was there to be able to access it, but it's there because it's fixed. Christ in you, his anointing is fixed in you. And then there's the word hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That word hope is expectation. And the expectation of it, it also says that it brings joyful 
confidence. The greater one's in me. (laughs) He's in me. I don't do this by myself. I got him as a partner. The greater one. Well, who's that? Christ, the anointed one. I got his stuff. It's in here. And man, it gives me confidence. It gives me joy. Why? Because I know that whatever I'm facing, it's not bigger than him. Death itself could not hold him. What is the final thing? What is the one thing that every human being fears? Is it to be poor? Is it to lose your family? No, the greatest and the ultimate thing that we fear is death. And death could not defeat Jesus. And therefore, I've got the stuff in me that says we beat death. We conquer it. I can have joy knowing that, man, I've got the stuff. And then it says the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That word glory is the manifested presence of God. Man, it grieves my heart when people live this life as a believer, but they live life as though they have no access to Him. I I was talking to a young lady just the other day, and I I asked her about her sister. And as I was talking to her about her sister, she said, well, she's ran off and joined some cult. I said, what? She goes, yeah, she goes, she ran off with some cult thing. and and, And I said, well, what is it? And so she told me what it was. And so I never heard of it, and so I looked it up online. And one of the things that it said is that they don't believe in one universal God, that it's kind of like, or, or just, I guess, everything is encompassed. So therefore, uh, the, the God that is called Allah, called Buddha, called whatever, Jesus, it's all wrapped up into one. But they don't believe that there is a triune being. It's just one God. Because if there was a triune being, and if God was God, and if He is to be, to be the ultimate supreme being, then there could be no others that were equal to Him. So the Trinity is out the door. But then they said this, in their statements of faith, to have access to God is unobtainable. And I thought, well, dear God, what good does it do to practice this religion and worship this God if He is not obtainable? If I never have the ability to have a relationship with Him, what difference does it make? But then here's what they say. Now, the way that they have access or you have access to Him is through their prophets. But you just got done saying, no man has access. So then you're telling me I'm supposed to be following the blind? The blind following the blind? What kind of joy does that bring? And then this is what they said. The one that started the religion, they said it, it was a, a branch off, the, off of Islam. And they said that he kept saying a prophet was coming. That Jesus or another prophet was coming, but he never came. And so he started taking persecution. And as a result of taking persecution for the prophet not yet coming, he named himself the prophet. And I thought, dear God, how deceived people are. I said all that to say that this this thing that we call Christianity is not a religion. It's about knowing the God of the universe and having access to him through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that I can have 
boldness to come before him and to obtain an audience with him and that I can know him personally. I can know his voice and that when we walk together and talk together, it's just as though he's my best friend. Oh, my. So many people just don't know Jesus that way. But he so desires to be known. That's why, in fact, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. That's why Paul so emphasized this wherever he went. In Ephesians chapter 1, he's, he's praying for the church. And in verse 17, he says, I pray that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of Jesus. He said, that's my prayer, that you would have wisdom and revelation knowledge. What's revelation knowledge? It's knowledge that can be practically practically used, that it's known and therefore it's usable, not just information. I pray that you would have wisdom and revelation of Him. Amen? That was his prayer. Amen. So 2 Corinthians, let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. It says, But we all with unveiled faces behold as a mirror the glory of the Lord being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So notice it says we go from glory to glory. That was the presence of God. Remember, we also said that in regards to this knowledge that we're coming into or that he's desiring for us to be perfected or the perfect man through the teaching. So that means that I don't just one day, I'm a baby Christian, and day number two, I'm perfectly mature and just spiritual. It's a growth process, isn't it? I develop in my relationship with God. So I go from glory to glory. But notice what he says here in the beginning. He says, but we all with unveiled faces behold as a mirror the glory of the Lord. So think about it. If you're standing in front of the mirror, what do you see? Help me out. You see you. If you're looking in in the mirror, Standing in front of the mirror, what you see is you. But all you see is with the natural eyes, you. But it said, standing in, the, in front of the mirror with unveiled faces, seeing you. What am I seeing? Christ in me. Who I'm in Christ with unveiled faces, going from glory to glory, being transformed into the same image. What's that? Who Jesus is. So in other words, Christ in me wants to make an appearance on the outside. It ought to change the way we look on the outside. It ought to change the way we act, right? One one individual said this. He says, you can't get in the presence of God and come out and kick the dog. You can't be a jerk when the greater one is working in you. God being love, if he's in you and you're being aware of who he is being love, you can't be a jerk and be hateful all the time. 
because there would be something that would convict you on the inside called love. Amen. <laughs> Mom's not up here to help me out, so got a double duty yet. So, so are, are you making, does that make sense to you? So here's what happens, or here's what needs to happen. As we begin to know or identify Christ in me, and as I'm going from glory to glory, or it's through the process of teaching and learning and having wisdom and revelation, then what that means is that Christ in me becomes bigger. He gets bigger. He gets bigger because he's the greater one. Now, I'm not talking bigger in size, but I'm talking the stature of who Jesus is and the stuff that he has with him, for he is the anointed one and his anointing being in me. So the bigger he gets on the inside of me, the smaller things out here look. Health, there's something that's affecting my body. Well, if he gets bigger in me, then that sickness and that disease starts to look smaller. And it has to bow its knee to the greater one in me. Because it was the anointing that destroyed it in the first place. So if who he is in me becomes greater and bigger, it begins to make those other things smaller. It begins to make impossible things to start looking possible. For with God, all things are possible. And all things are possible to him who believe. Well, yeah, but that's just those things that God said he will do. Well, what did he say he will do? He said he would do everything that he promised to do. And that the promises were yes and amen. So I have an assurance, right? But it comes with growing in my relationship with him. And we said going from glory to glory. That's his presence. And so, therefore, in order for him to become bigger, and in order for him to become more known, I've got a purpose to spend time with him, don't I? If you've been doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting with us, then you've been sensing that he's getting bigger. I'm telling you, I always love this time of year because it really just helps refocus me as a pastor. And man, there's times that I'm just feeling like I'm, I'm on cloud nine. Why? Because he's getting bigger. I'm purposing to focus. I'm purposing to get into his presence. Right? And he so desires for us and he welcomes us to come into his presence. Well, the number one way that you'll get into his presence is through his word. There are those that says the word's boring. The Bible's boring. The only boring Bible is the one that sits on your shelf. Because as you get into the Scripture, it reveals Him. And who's Him? The one that's in you. When you read about a Jesus that ministered to the sick, when the one man that came and said to him, he says, my son is sick. If you can do anything, please help me. And he says, if you can believe. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus says, I'll help you. Blind Bartimaeus. He's blind from 
from birth. And he hears about Jesus. And he heard about how great he was and that he's passing by. He don't know where he's at. He can just hear the commotion and he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the scripture says that they told him, shut up. Be quiet. Don't bother the master. And it says that it caused him to yell out all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus was bigger in him than the crowd that was telling them to shut up. The desire to have an audience with Jesus, the healer, the master, was was greater in him than what anybody thought of him. He just wanted to have an encounter with Jesus. And notice the Bible says that Jesus came because he cried. I want to know you, Jesus. I want an audience with you, Jesus. God, I have a need. That's all Jesus is asking. Let's let's have fellowship together. And when we have fellowship, I get bigger. And you learn to trust me. And again, the example of just, you know, your kids. And I think of it being a little boy with my father. and, And those things that go bump in the night, you know, and you're thinking, what's that? And you go say to dad, dad, what's going on? Dad said, I don't know. Let's go check it out. And so you feel safe because dad is there. And you're hanging on to dad. And as long as dad says it's okay, and as long as dad's checking it out, we're okay. And now, as an adult, as a man, as a father, somebody says, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Let's go check it out. And you put on a good front. But inside, you're thinking, dear God, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> but what it does to your kids to have confidence in you. Because all they do is believe in you. Because you're dad. You'll take care of it. You'll make it better. My kids, when they get sick, when they're struggling, when they've got a boo-boo, they come to me and say, dad, pray. Dad, pray. Because they've had a confidence in dad that dad can get an answer. That, that God will hear dad and God will heal. Well, when we develop that relationship with him, I can go to him. But see, the enemy works so good at beating us up and like, well, you blew it. What makes you think you should, could, can? That you have the right If you look at the circumstances, everything around you would say you don't qualify and you don't. But that's why Jesus came. That's why the blood was shed. And in that, it qualifies you. So you could have the worst day of your life and think, man, I blew it beyond all ever opportunities of blowing it. This was the biggest one. And you can still come confidently to God. Say, God, I need help. God, I want to get in your presence. God, I need your help. I just need to feel your touch right now, God. I just need to be filled, refreshed. Because, God, I'm hurting right now. And God will step right down in the midst of your junk and your mess and say, I see you through the blood and you're qualified. Amen? Jesus being bigger. 
2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For it is the God who commands light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Notice it says that God commanded light to shine in darkness. And then he makes a comparison that Jesus brings light. Well, is it talking about physical light? No, it's talking about spiritual materiality. There is a spiritual darkness and there is a spiritual light. And the more that Jesus is made real and known in our lives, it brightens and brings illumination of light of who He is and how good He is. And I know there's always those opportunities for us to say, I'm in a dark place right now. Oh, God, it's so dark and it's so cold here. God, where are you at? And all we have to do is start making Him bigger. And the light starts shining brighter. And it says that the light drives out darkness. Well, how do I do that if I feel so alone? You engage your mouth. Oh, God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, God, I thank you that you are more than able, for you caused me to overcome. And so, therefore, God, it's not based on how I feel, but, Lord, I I am an overcomer. I have overcome. The devil's defeated. I've got light and life on the inside of me. And the darkness has to go. God, you're greater. And the greater one's in me. Because I've got your stuff in me. The anointing that destroys the yoke, removes the burden. And it conquers over death, hell, and the grave. That's what's in me. And as I purpose to stir it up, he gets bigger. Come on, think about it. Jordan so graciously, just a couple days ago, thought it to be a great idea to talk to my kids about a movie that he went and seen. I went to see this show, it's called It, about a clown. And then my girls start talking about, oh yeah, we've heard about that, son. Yeah, kids at school talk about that one. And he starts talking about it. And my wife comes in and says, well, you know, we don't really talk about that kind of stuff. And so the kids are starting, they're intrigued now. It's about a clown, right? He's got a balloon and all that. Oh, yeah. And it eats the kids. And, and he starts talking about all that stuff. Well, you know, when you start talking about the boogeyman, does the boogeyman get smaller or bigger? He gets bigger. And the same thing works for God. If you'll engage your mouth with your faith, he gets bigger. As the healer, as the savior, as the protector, as the provider, he gets bigger the more that I talk about him. And I'll close with this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The spirit that raised Christ from physical death and spiritual death. If that same spirit dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead also will give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. So what's in you and what is the stuff in you? It's the same stuff that rose Jesus from the dead. And it's in you. Death raises its head. Fear raises its head. I've got the stuff. It's already defeated you. It's in there. My son, uh, his papa gave him a, a, a John Deere tractor a few years back. And it's one of those battery-operated ones, you know, where the kids ride on it. Well, the battery was, was dead, and so I put it in storage, and we forgot about it. So it's been in storage for about two years, and so we just had a rummage sale. And so I dug all the stuff out of storage, and I'm going to sell it. And so the wife says, well, why don't you let Carson enjoy it? I'm like, well, he's getting up big. I probably don't want to. He's like, no, Dad, I want to ride it. I want to ride it, really. And so his tractor looks just like my tractor. It's got the front end loader on it. So he's just in hog heaven. But the battery's dead. And so I pull him around behind my, my, my tractor, put a rope to it, and he's just loving it. He's like, hey, Dad, can we do that again? But then my wife, she says, well, why don't you get it working? Well, then I said, well, I, I just bought a brand-new motorcycle battery. And I got it on the charger. It's charging up. I said, I'll put the motorcycle battery in there and see if it's an electrical thing or if it's a battery thing. And so my son would not give up on that motorcycle battery. Hey, can we put the battery in there today, Dad? Hey, Dad, when we get home from church, can we, can we put the motorcycle battery? I'm like, well, son, we'll see what we can do. So we're at the house. Can we put the motorcycle battery in? Can we put the battery in? Can we put the battery in? I'm like, all right, come on. So we went outside. I took out the battery, the old one, and I cut the wires and wired it up. Now, mind you, this motorcycle battery is about three times bigger than the battery that was in there. So I got it all wired up. And I hit the pedal, and it starts going. I'm like, oh, great. It works. So I put them on it, and I didn't realize that there was two gears in it. So he puts it in the one gear, and it starts driving, you know. And I'm thinking, gosh, I would have thought that it had gone faster than that. But, you know, it's getting long, and I'm thinking, well, you know, with, with that big of a battery, probably it will just have a lot of torque to it. I did not realize that it had two gears. As he's driving... And he puts it in the gear as he's driving. <laughs> the thing just starts screaming, man. I mean, he's, and it made me nervous. I'm thinking, dear God, he's going to crash into the house. What made the difference? The power. Now, it already had a battery in there, but it wasn't charged up. But I put a battery in there that was greater than. And when it got plugged into the power, that bugger took off. You've got the greater one on the inside. It's just a matter of stirring up the understanding of who's in you. And when you know who's in you, the power is available to transform your life. Amen? Did you get anything out of this tonight? Yeah. Amen. All right. Give me, give me some feedback. What would you get? It was good. I like that one. Short and sweet. To the... <laughs> it's better than being bad. <laughs> Anybody? Give me some...
The greater one lives on the inside of me. Absolutely. Whatever you feed and more importantly, whatever you talk about becomes bigger or smaller. Right. Diane, I saw your hand. Yes. That's right. Right, right, right. Yep, in these last days, I said there will be those that rise up. Absolutely. And what is it? It's all to be a distraction to keep people from coming to know the greater one. Amen. Yep. Yep, it's a crazy world out there. Amen. Thank goodness we've got the Holy Spirit to help direct us, guide us, give us help and comfort and and wisdom. And then the Bible says we've got ministering angels that are at work for us. So praise God. Amen. Anybody else? One last. Maggie? That's right. That's right. Any and every situation, we get God's best. Amen. And so... We've got to rise to our understanding of what God's best is. So many of us settle, don't we? Wow. Praise God. That's good. Amen. All right, guys. Sunday. See you all back here. Subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.